George Bellows once said, the ideal artist is he who knows everything, feels everything, experiences everything, and retains his experience in a spirit of wonder and feeds upon it with creative lust. Hi, my name is Audrey O'Neill and welcome to this episode of Alone Together. Today we're looking at The White Horse, painted by George Bellows in 1922. I want you to look at this painting right now and give it five seconds of your undivided attention. Detach yourself from any meaningless internal dialogue. You will have plenty of time after this podcast to think about the things you have to do tonight. But for right now, I want you to be here with me in this moment. What do you feel? For those of you who aren't looking at this magnificent painting right now, The White Horse is a landscape painting of a farm in Woodstock, New York. It's simplistic in the fact that the majority of the painting is embodied by nature. In the front, there's a white horse looking out in the distance at the fields and the crystal blue mountains in the background. There's a pristine looking white farmhouse in the front corner along with some older looking sheds, but their presence is minuscule in comparison to the environment. Along the sides of the field are trees in a forest whose leaves embody the hues of fall. The sky is immense and overwhelming, and there's an element of both darkness and light in the clouds. While both the light shining through the clouds and the tranquil color of the sky suggest the clearing of a storm, the dark, unwelcoming shadows present throughout the painting evoke a feeling of dismay. Now, let me ask you, Can anyone live up to Bellows' lofty expectations of being a true artist? And did Bellows even live up to them himself? Bellows sure seemed to think so. As a naturally gifted artist from his early childhood, he decided to dedicate his life to studying art. After moving to New York City, he was soon swept under the wing of Robert Henri, who was one of the major landscape painters of the time. Bellows certainly viewed Henri in the highest regard, once claiming that his life truly began under the direction of Henri. With such an audacious statement, you may be asking yourself, who is this Henri guy and why is he so special? Bellows talks of Henri's character as being bold, fearless if you will. He strived to transform art from being arbitrary to something rooted in universal meaning, something authentic and real. Let's take a look back at the painting. Where do we see Henri's influence in Bellows, the white horse? What's so real about it? First of all, in no way does reality mirror perfection. If Bellows were to paint this in an ideal fashion, mimicking perfection, the sheds wouldn't be falling apart, the horse would be more centered at the painting instead of skewed to the left, and the horse would probably be doing something more majestic, like rearing on its hind legs or being captured mid-leap. But no, The house isn't new and polished. The shadows coming from each side of the woods are uneven. The horse isn't centered or doing anything special. It's just standing there, looking at you, like, so what are you going to do about it? So, how did Henri develop this mantra of art being original? Let's take this a step further and look at Henri's mentor, David Thoreau. In the early 19th century, Transcendentalism was born, and among the famous writers of this period was Thoreau, most famous for his stay on Walden Pond in 1845. 
Transcendentalism is iconic for its overarching questions about the purpose of life, but more so for its fundamental principle that there is a goodness and a pathway to God in nature. When Thoreau began his personal experiment alone in a cabin on Walden Pond, he spent his days observing nature and contemplating the meaning of life. We can see transcendentalism in this painting all over. The painting is embodied by nature and the natural world. Yes, the two houses and couple of sheds is more than Thoreau was looking at on Walden Pond, but it still evokes the same feeling of mystery. While looking at the immensity of the world, we can't help but think, what is our purpose here? Fast forward to 1922, the year this painting was painted, the birth of the Roaring Twenties, and we may ask ourselves, how did we get here? We jump from Thoreau spending days watching the ice melt on Walden Pond as seasons change, to consumer society characterized by flappers and prohibition. What does this painting have to do with any of it? Well, for a society that was categorized as defiant and was advocating for change, there are still threads that remain the same. Although the Roaring Twenties and Transcendentalism may seem oxymoronic, Bellow's painting acts as a thread and Thoreau, as unlikely as it may seem, is on the other end. On one end of the thread, the home, the barn, the horse, the signs of America hard at work and basking in the fruits of its labors. And on the other end, far in the background, lofty mountains and a majestic sky that suggest our time may better be spent exploring than continuing to work and consume. Somehow Bellows simultaneously reconciles his time and the time of Thoreau all in one moment. Fast forward again, but this time to the present. I've been observing this painting for the past six weeks, and the first time I looked at it, I remember feeling both in awe and slightly overwhelmed. I immediately see the dimensionality of the picture, accentuated by the contrast of colors. My initial instinct is for my eye to be drawn to the sky. Look at the darker, denser clouds at the top of the painting. To the left, follow that radiant beam of light down and observe what it's illuminating. Do you think the fact that it's shining on the old decaying shed is intentional? Is there an underlying connection between light and darkness, new and old, creation and destruction? Or is it just coincidental? Is it about to rain and does the darkness have authority in the painting? Or are we looking at the image after a storm as the skies begin to clear? What's that horse doing there? Why is it alone? I really didn't know which aspect to devote my attention to. Everything I looked at led me to look at something else and ask yet another unanswerable question. Let me redirect your attention to my initial question I asked you. Is there such thing as an ideal artist? As I observed the painting, I tried to come up with my own answer to this question, and a feeling of frustration began to take over. I had all of these insightful questions and no answers. I wanted some sort of agency. So I wrote a short poem from the perspective of none other than the white horse. A small excerpt reads, The shadows lurking inwards towards the woods aim to engulf me. The mountains in the distance, crystal blue, were promising. I could hear them calling me, enticing me with their uninhabited land. The thunder was lurking in the distance. The darkness lacked patience and began to rob the grass of its light. 
My limbs, created to charge, were stagnant, afraid, motionless. Is this what ideal art is supposed to feel like? I feel the tension of the horse contemplating his next move. I taste the thickness of the air while simultaneously feeling the light ambiance the sun shining through brings. But shouldn't there be a more concrete answer to this question? Is ideal art supposed to leave you feeling this unsettled? When we think about what Bellows said in that an ideal artist knows everything, we come to realize that may not be entirely true. Sure, an artist knows a lot of things and gleams them from experience, but he doesn't rely strictly on experience. Bellows is making this painting off the experiences along with the ideas of countless others. Bellows picked his sources and mentors well, without a doubt, but we know that this isn't all coming from him. Bellows was inspired by Henri, who was inspired by Thoreau, who was likely inspired by someone or something else. Art inspires art. There is no infinite base of knowledge. As humans, we look at something, take an idea that has already been born, and help it grow by adding our own taste to it. Maybe my ideas and my thoughts on this painting have inspired you. I can confidently say that from 1845 to 1922, to 2018, there exists a common thread, a thread urging us to slow down, to stop, breathe, observe, appreciate, and wonder.